if you wanted to do the math, you can spend more on marketing. So what happens is if let's say you sell a product or a service, just whatever, like $100, and you can spend 20 on marketing before you eat into your profit, if that $100 sale can turn into 200, can turn to 300, can turn into 400, can turn to 1000, well, then maybe you can spend $80 on getting that customer in the first place, because you know, you're going to get a 1000, like you can, the more you can get as a higher lifetime return, the more you can spend on your marketing. And what happens then is you can start to outspend your competitors, because you have better processes, better systems, better, higher returns that you're getting. So you can kind of in a nicer way of saying it, squeeze them out and crush them. (laughs) But that's the goal. You want to be able to get a return from your marketing. And that's the challenge that people see. It's like I spend money on ads and it didn't return. Sometimes you can spend, you can work less too in some cases, like consultants and things. If you have a higher lifetime value per customer, you might need fewer customers, work less, make more money kind of thing. The way we think about customers and growth is changing. Welcome to Customer Lifetime Value University Podcast. Our goal here is simple. In under 30 minutes, we aim to give you an implementable strategy to increase your customer lifetime value. That's it. No fluff, all strategy. Hello, hello, and welcome to class, everyone. I'm incredibly excited. I have Christo Hall with me today. He is an ex-pro surfer and also happens to run Basic Bananas, which is one of Australia's most successful business accelerators. Christo, thanks for hopping on with me. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Casey. I'm looking forward to this. Very excited. Absolutely. Absolutely. So take a moment, just give people a little bit of background in your own words about kind of you and and where you're coming from. Yeah. So yeah, I was a professional surfer back in the day. I was, I think, lucky to find something that I was passionate about doing and loved doing that I could actually make a career from. And then that led to a problem that then I never wanted to work a normal job (laughs) because I'd been spoiled and so then I created my own businesses and uh, Basic Bananas, which is the main business that I run now and own. And it's um, helping people grow their brands and get more customers. So a lot of marketing support for small businesses, like it could be a local accountant, sailing school, chiropractor, small businesses all around planet Earth. But um, that's kind of what we do. Yeah, I love that. And, and because you have so much experience managing, you've managed multiple brands and you obviously work with tons of companies, different small businesses in all sorts of different industries. I'd love to start by just getting kind of your general outlook on customer lifetime value. It's this thing I think a lot of businesses kind of, they know it's important, but there's so many different levers, right? Is it increasing your average order volume? Is it keeping people longer? And obviously in many cases, it's a compilation, but how do you kind of think about it? How do you initially approach it from a high level? Yeah, so the most well, one of the most important things, like what often people come to us and they say, I just want help with kind of an entry point marketing. Like they say, can you just help me with social media? And we're like, well, we can. However, if you ever want to see a return from social media, we've got to look at some behind the scenes things, scenes things first, like the customer lifetime value. So because we can spend time on social media, but if you don't make a decent return, it's just wasted. And that's the unfortunate reality. Most people spend so much time on these entry the marketing approaches. So basically having a higher lifetime value per customer, you'll make more money. You'll have an easier life. That's the, that's the gist <laughs> yeah. of it. But if you wanted to do the math, you can spend more on marketing. So what happens is if let's say you sell a product or a service, just whatever, like $100 and you can spend 20 on marketing before you eat into your profit, if that was the case, if that 
hundred dollar sale can turn into two hundred, can turn to three hundred, can turn into four hundred, can turn into a thousand. Well, then maybe you can spend eighty dollars on getting that customer in the first place because you know you're going to get a thousand. Like you can, yeah. The more you can get as a higher lifetime return, the more you can spend on your marketing. And what happens then is you can start to outspend your competitors because you have better processes, better systems, better higher returns that you're getting. So you can kind of in a nicer way of saying it, squeeze them out and crush them. <laughs> and then, but that's the goal. You want to be able to, you know, get a return from your marketing. And that's the challenge that people see. It's like I spend money on ads and it didn't return. Sometimes you can spend, you can work less too in some cases, like consultants and things. You know, if you have a higher lifetime value per customer, you might need fewer customers, have, you know, work less, make more money kind of thing. A hundred percent. And one of the things I've always really admired about you is your ability to build those effective systems. You know, I think building effective systems and processes is obviously a core part of the efficiency to kind of produce that. So I think that makes a ton of sense. And Chris, I'd love just to hop into the lesson. I'm, I'm eager to uh, to learn here and to see where we should start with this. So I'm going to just lob it over to you to, to teach us some uh, tangible takeaways. All right, I'm going to do the impossible and teach three tangibles in the next four minutes. <laughs> I love it. Set a target. Three things that I like to share are like post-sales strategies. So after you make a sale, you want to be thinking about what happens next. Oftentimes, people make a sale, then they turn looking for the next customer, but focusing on the one you just made. Uh, one thing is... Looking for ways to increase, if you call it an upsell, an upsell can sound a little bit like almost cheesy and a bit desperate. So don't think of it as an upsell. Think of it as a, is there anything else we can help you with? At a restaurant, they say, would you also like a drink? Would you like to see the desserts menu? Like the reality is most customers, when they buy something, come to a business looking for the one thing they want, and then they get out. The reality is they don't. we don't even know what half most products and services other, the businesses offer. Like if I'm a customer, I come in, I get the thing I want. I don't know everything else you sell. I don't click through your products and services pages. So let them know what else. Like on some websites when it says people who bought this are also interested in this. So it could be as simple as a follow-up email that says, did you know we also offer this? There can be other ways to push up the, the sale, like things like offer a minimum spend, like uh, for free shipping. Like if you're an e-commerce business, Put like, if the average sale is 100 bucks, make it $115 for free shipping. So it pushes up the, the sale. So there's some incentive. Second strategy. So that's the first one. It's like increasing that, that, uh, that sale value because that also comes at zero extra acquisition cost and things. And reframing it too. I really like that idea of reframing it because upsells and downsells, I think, does have such a derogatory. So really, you take a consultative look to it. You're adding value. I think that's a great way to look at it. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. It could be as simple as a follow-up email says, thanks for your purchase. By the way, here's three other product ranges we offer in case you didn't know. It's just making sure they, they see it. Those upsells, like if you, this is where magic happens and it can seem if you just, any little upsell extra comes at zero extra marketing spend. Often for businesses, it also comes at zero extra sales time spend. So like if, you, if it takes a bit of email back and forth to get a sale or phone conversations, if there's any extra sale, Usually all that's done, like it doesn't come extra. I'm going to blow up my four minutes. No, okay, referral <laughs> number okay. two. <laughs> we'll run as long as you need. I made the target, so I'm putting pressure on myself. Number two, <laughs> the second one is invite a referral. Now, 
This happens a lot. I think in like something like Bonjour, you know, you think, okay, always with software, it happens. Like you, you catch an Uber the first time and it says, invite a friend, they'll get $20 off. Refer a friend. But every business, if you sell anything to anyone, there should be a process to invite someone to refer a friend. Refer. Now, you can incentivize it, even if you don't incentivize it. Like you don't have to put a $20 off, but you have to ask because people are busy running their own lives. Oftentimes people think, oh, a happy customer will refer me anyway. No, they're busy off with their friends. It's just like if you could think of one friend who would benefit from our service and forward this email on to them, you'd be doing us the world of good. We'll send you a thousand good vibes. It can be as simple as, you know, you don't have to, but you can try incentivize if you got something. But even if, you know, like one in 10 of your customers then refer a friend, that extra sale comes at, you know, zero acquisition costs and everything else. So it's getting the most out of, and these are all, as I mentioned at the start, things that will help you get a better return from that marketing because you, as you attract a new customer, you get higher returns. And then the third one, third strategy, you're going to love this one. Ladies and gentlemen, I should have probably put this one first, but send them a bonjouro after a sale to say thank you and don't sell anything in that one. Just say thanks. Hey, we would appreciate the purchase. If you do that, you blow people's minds and it takes, it might take 30 seconds to send a bonjour. If you can invest that 30 seconds, you probably like have, if you're an e-commerce, you probably have a team that have to pack and send and all the other things we spend time on or you're out there spending thousand bucks on a new advertising campaign if you just took the 30 seconds or you have someone in customer service or an admin team to just send a quick hey thanks that's how you win over customers and that's how you create like a shift from almost like a business transaction to more of a personal relationship style transaction so it's there's a little bit of that human connection happens and you guys have got the tools and crystal let me ask because you've done such a great job with Basic Bananas. I know that when I talk to people that are part of that community, everyone's like raving fans. So outside of personal video, which is awesome, like what else are you doing on that relationship side? Because it seems like something as an organization that you guys have really hacked. And so I'm really curious to learn a little more about that. Yeah, absolutely. I'd say the biggest thing is whenever, like this totally relates to customer lifetime value. If you have a lead, like an inquiry, an opt-in form, anything, you have to be thinking super long-term. Like everything we're doing is, our goal is to become anyone we interact with, to become their trusted advisor. So we're not trying to sell, sell, sell. We're not trying to squeeze them for, you know, it's like, how do we give more value, give more value, give more value? So you need to set up things, you know, like a nurture campaign, we call it, where it's regular contact for the rest of eternity and ideally trying to provide value and you have to communicate. It could be like a an article once a month or something where you do a little, some sort of insight where you give value. It's like this little Apple shop up the road here. We, we got some computer serviced and the very first email I sent newsletter with like sales, it had one little tip or shortcut on the Mac, something to do. And I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. I actually like that tip and I still apply it. And this was about seven years ago. I'm still on their email list. And as a result of that, we stopped buying all our computers at the actual Apple store. It's about 25 minutes away. And we've probably spent, you know, like about 12, more than 12,000, you know, like 10,000 plus with them and computers and upgrades to our systems. They're our go-to. And it was because of that little bit of value. So just think, how do we provide long-term value? And it's like you're planting seeds in the gardens. Try and be farmers, <laughs> plant the seeds. You'll have, like we have people come and work with us that 
it's really common. They say, I've followed you guys for five years. I've followed you for nine years. I've followed you for seven years. We're like, brilliant. Whatever marketing campaign we did nine years ago, we've just saw a return. <laughs> you know, it's like, we finally made money on that. But as that's the key. It's like, most people, when they see a marketing campaign, you're lucky if probably 2% of them will actually buy. It's like a small conversion rate. So you got to nurture all the other leads, all the other points of contact that happen during that. So that's it. It's just, yeah, think, thinking long-term for sure. That absolutely makes sense. And also, how do you measure? I know everyone has slightly different systems of like how they measure customer lifetime value. And it's kind of like with attribution. Some people seem like they're super strict on attribution. They have all the models. Some people look a little bit more directionally. Some people are looking at intangibles like, oh, I have advocates that are posting about me versus some people it's strictly about the numbers. I mean, how do you think about that? Do you have specific systems you use to measure it? And what's your advice to to other people who if they're kind of trying to focus, implement some of these tactics, but they want to know, how do I quantify that success? Yeah, yeah. We do measure the the money side of it. <laughs> so business, it gets, we get a lot of good feedback. So we do every single week, like we constantly have our own measures, but it's more like a weekly thing where it's like measuring feedback. We have part of our team meeting every week. We um share, we call it customer loving, all the nice things customers have shared with us and we share it with the whole team. So we're always checking in on that and always showing, hey, this is good. So the team's like, oh, that was great. Let's try and get more of that. Or let's try and get my name inserted into next week's one where it says, if Julia was so amazing, da, 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 in front of the whole team, we read it out. You know, um, So we do that, but we also, yeah, we do look at financially like the actual lifetime return. What can happen is because we work a lot with smaller businesses, some businesses we work with will have teams of hundreds and do millions, but a lot of them are like under 10 staff, even like under five. It's like pretty small, like your local businesses and things, all, but all around the world. And though it can get overwhelming kind of looking at it and going, should I get a dashboard set up? Should I do this? If this is too much to like think about how do I track, get a simple spreadsheet. You just track like five areas to begin with. Like think what's the most common sale you make? And you can just start putting in how many of those most common sales did we make this week. And so you're measuring the very first initial sale. And then the next row you might start to measure is how many bought that upsell, the next thing, something else, you know, or a bigger higher end product you offer, because usually that might require a bit more trust. So you just have these basically two lines, because what it'll do is, and if each week you just put it in there, what we actually do is we have a spreadsheet like that, where each team member puts in about three numbers, very simple each. And we have a target for the quarter. So we might say of this entry product, we want to sell this certain amount of this next offering. We want to sell a certain amount. So we put our goals in. And then each week we put the number in when we're doing a team meeting and we color the box green, orange or red. Now, that's where the magic happens, because if you color the box, if you say, look, we want to get, let's say it was like we want to get 10 of this product. So we said, all right, under seven would be red. If we said like seven to 10 is orange and 11 plus is green, we put the numbers in, but numbers are boring to look at. And they go become invisible. And so when you're busy, you know, it's like whatever, there's a bunch of sevens, eights, blah, blah, blah. But if you color the box and you have each week as a kind of row there, um, you're seeing like, oh, we were we were 66666. Six, six, six. So it was red, 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 you know, and then green, green, green. So it's like, what can we do to highlight to improve that? Because just by focusing it on every single week, it'll make you think, okay, we've got to increase that. Those what else can we do to get more of that additional upsell thing happening? 
And that's just a simple focus, a very simple tool, but I'd, I'd say the most powerful and pretty for a uh, small business if you haven't got, you know, you guys have got tech team and stuff like dashboards and you probably got, you know, and stuff and we've had it all, but I, for, for small business, it's a pretty good way to start. I love that. And I think that's a, such an important thing for us to talk about is those generally applicable because I think sometimes people get turned off. Oh, well, I don't have this system or I don't have this tool or because like you're saying, as SaaS companies, we use so many different analytics yeah. tools to manage all of this. So I love that that's super generally valuable. Well, this was awesome. Super valuable lessons. Christo, if people want to get a hold of you, what's the best way to contact you? Yeah, come check out basicbananas.com. So just go to basicbananas.com. You can find me on social media. It's Christo Hall. Go to basicbananas.com. The easiest thing, we share a lot of value, as I've just shared. There's a, a workshop we call called the, the Marketing Blastoff Workshop. We actually talk about the use of Bonjour as part of in that session. There's some really good use cases in there as well. So that's a free two-hour online workshop. People attend it year after year after year. So it's it's a good time to attend, actually, because it's free. We used to charge $47 when it was face-to-face. But thanks to lockdowns, it's online and it's, it's, it's free now. So that's the Blastoff Workshop on basicbananas.com. That's brilliant. Christo, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you, man. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Customer Lifetime Value University podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Bonjoro, the world's first customer loyalty platform, giving you the tools to create customer loyalty and leverage that loyalty to improve your customer lifetime value. 